All right. Hello, everybody. We are live. Welcome, welcome to the Way of the Truth Warrior. My name is David Whitehead. I'm so happy, as always, to be here with you yet again. Today, we are finishing off August, apparently, because it's August 29th, 2022. And uh, I am also excited because this is the first time I'm actually live streaming on Rumble. It should be going on Rumble. So uh, hello to everybody. So I'm going to be streaming today on Rockfin, as always. Excellent platform. The Foxhole. Shout out to all my friends at The Foxhole. How you guys doing on Pilled and all that? Uh, where else am I streaming? Twitch and DLive. Although, darn it, I think I forgot to change the cover image on DLive. Sorry, guys. You'll have to just do with last week's cover image. Sorry. Um, <laughs> how's everybody doing in this crazy world in which we live in this crazy time? in which we find ourselves. I hope this finds you well. Just checking a few little techno things here, and then we're going to rock it. We're going to be talking about narrative warfare, information warfare, the battle for your mind, how it works. And we're going to cover some current events, breaking news, always with the spirit of trying to understand what's really going on, how this works, and then you get to do this amazing thing when you come to this channel where you are allowed to think for yourself. I know it's controversial. I know that given the direction of the narrative, the cultural narrative that is being generated by big tech companies, our government and multinational major media co corporations, um, that you shouldn't be able to think for yourself. That's done. We're done with that. You shouldn't be able to speak freely, think freely, act freely. You should give your mind over on a silver platter to the authorities on the truth because they have claimed authority on the truth. And independent inquiry and journalism and detective work and investigation and thinking for yourself and critical analysis, that's over, according to these people. You are to eat from our hands only and not deviate. And if we censor something, trust us, it's for your own good. That was harmful misinformation. Other opinions from our opinion, the establishment, who are experts in narrative warfare and have all the data at our disposal, the psychologist data, the data of history, the data that was earned and gleaned from our many, many decades and many years of doing experiments on your mind to gather information about how you tick so that we can craft narratives that are more appealing to you and tell you what the truth is. Well, we're going to fight all this today, guys. I've got a different side of the story. I've got a different take on things, and you let me know what you think. I personally believe you should be able to think for yourself. So when you come to this channel, when you come to this show, relax. I'm just a guy who's streaming and talking about information and covering this information from a different perspective, the perspective that you are not going to get from your always benevolent, loving, trustworthy governments, major institutions, and major media outlets. I'm here to give you the other side of the story. And then you get to decide for yourself. Is that, is that fair? Is that fair? 
you don't even have to agree with me. I cover a lot of stuff on this channel, guys. If you're new, welcome. I cover a lot of subjects. I don't just come on here and cover news and all that. I cover a little bit of news. I cover all kinds of cool things, I think. Questioning everything, questioning reality, questioning history, questioning everything. Questioning isn't always equated with trying to destroy something. It's just literally, I'm just trying to question, just trying to find out. Questioning leads you to wanting to find out the answers. For me, I've said this many times, it was questions that I couldn't answer that woke me up to the information that I cover on this show. It wasn't that somebody came up and handed me everything pre-packaged as if it was something I had to memorize and then just regurgitate. It wasn't that. It was questions I couldn't wrap my head around based on what I was being told. And I went, hmm, you know, things that make you go, hmm, hold on a second. They said this over here and then they changed it over here. It was changing the entire narrative, contradicting themselves and acting as if nothing happened. That's what's up with that. I just had questions about it as I'm sure many of you have. Pick your subject. I've been at this for 20 years. I'm sure many of you have been at this for quite some time, and some of you are new to this way of thinking, this, this extremist way of thinking where you're trying to actually understand how the world works, what the actual agenda is of the people that have taken hold of the very, very key positions of power over our institutions, over our government, over how our economy runs. Can we trust Hollywood? Can we trust CBC News, CNN, Fox, any of them? Can we trust all the bloggers and independent live streamers and podcasters on the internet? Are you getting your information from the internet? How dare you? And so I guess what it is, is no matter how you look at it, no matter what side of a fence you're on, on any subject we're going to talk about today, I always keep this question in mind. This was one of the questions. And I ask myself these questions and I'm not perfect and I'm still trying to figure it out. But the question that really drove me was, okay, so there's a big world out in front of me. There's all these events happening. Some of them affect my life. Some of them don't yet, at least. And I want to know who I can trust. And so I'm going to go to, I guess, the most influential resources out there and start there and see if the information they're giving me is any good. And I started to realize, you know, the question is, what quality of information are you getting? And I was asking myself this question, what quality of information? I've been told something by my parents, by society, by the media, by my school teachers, by my senseis, whatever it was, by my art teachers. I've been told things and all the, all information is good because ultimately you're just trying to learn more about yourself and, and, and the world, right? But um, sometimes when you get information that doesn't really pan out or contradicts itself or actually starts to be a negative thing, you then start to go instinctively to try to find other sources of information to see if maybe you missed something. Because even looking at something like history, wow, you go into the history section in any used bookstore or library, and every book you're looking at on one subject, like World War II or the Greek Empire or whatever, 
the pyramids of Egypt, everything you look at, there's different experts, scholars, whether they're from the official institutions or whether they're mavericks and they're all, they have different takes. So you go, well, which, which one is the right one? What's the truth? What's the truth? That's the whole question. That's all the question. That's the question of the show. That's why I named the show truth warrior. I'm not saying I have the truth. I'm not saying I've got it all figured out, but I have dedicated a lot of time, money, resources, blood, sweat, and tears to trying to find out the answers, or at least find alternative information to present so that at least you got some contrast with the, the one just fire hose of the same shit that you're getting from every single media organization right now. Why the hell isn't it more diverse? Why are they all acting in concert? No matter where you look in the world, the headlines all pretty much match. The statements that are pre-scripted, that are read, the teleprompter statements that are read by your public officials, it's they're like robots repeating the same thing. Social media, it's infested with fake accounts, bots, trolls, COINTELPRO, intelligence agency activity, and a lot of people that grew up in their mom's basement and never left the place and have opinions on everything under the sun and might sound smart, but then you still have to go and vet it out. No matter where you sit, take this whole pandemic, for example, take elections, take the economy, take what's going on with these farmers, take anything, gender, all the stuff that's flying around in our society right now, the more you peer into it, the more you're going to see diverse opinions on these subjects. If, if you can get past all the media censors and the social media fact checkers and the, if you can really try to hear people out, read their books, listen to their blogs, look at what's going on, look at the fact that there's different sides. I mean, in the, in the COVID debate, there's what Dr. Robert Malone just came out and said, he's got over 17,000 experts and doctors from all over the world that are challenging directly what the world health organization, the CDC, the public health officials are saying. Um, all these subjects, you get this diverse group. So to me, that's normal. That's normal. If, if we're talking science, we're talking, let's find the truth, journalism, you're going to have different takes because people read different books. People read different studies. People come from different backgrounds. People have had different experiences. People have internal biases. We're all seeing the world through the lens, right? That we create for ourselves or that was created for us, that we adopted and pretended it was ours. We're seeing the world filtered through that lens. And so you're going to end up with different opinions. So it only makes even my opinion. It's a, it's another lens. So I look at it as, okay, well, when it comes down to you, the person watching, how do you figure out what's true? Who's telling the truth to you? What, what's, what's the facts of reality? What really happened? You know, what, what's really going on in the world? So there's many people that are realizing that they trusted the media narrative. They trusted their public officials blindly, didn't question them because there was a, there was a crisis. I get it. Everybody got scared. They go to the most trusted established institutions for advice on the prescription for life about how to navigate the crisis, whether it was created, whether it was just taken advantage of, I'll take, leave you to it. doesn't really matter. Here we are. And, uh, you still have to sift out. And these people are waking up and realizing the information that I was told directly contradicts my life experience at this point. And that's how you wake up. That's the wake up. Every time I ask people, how did you wake up to 
questioning everything you've been told and going down this path of taking personal responsibility for your opinion formation process, how you create an opinion, how you learn about the world, your worldview. How did you, how did you start questioning that and then go on this journey of discovery? And they always tell me a very similar story and it, it doesn't really matter which, which event in their lives or which event that happened in the world or which thing that they looked at that they saw holes in the story. And then they went, okay, something's up. I got to go look into it. And yeah, it doesn't matter the subject. It all kind of happens the same way. At least that's what I've seen. Everybody listening right now, you've had your own wake up call. So when you get to the point that I'm at, and if you've seen my previous shows, you'll know that I question a lot of things and I provide the information that led me to even think about questioning those things. So I document everything. If you go follow me on telegram, t.me, DW truth warrior, and it's all linked up all my social medias and where I stream and all that is over at dwtruthwarrior.com. If you follow me there, you'll see that when I'm making claims, when I'm talking about this information, whether you take it all on board or not, I source it so that at least, you know, here's the line of thought, here's the sources. And I'm going to source everything we talk about today as well, because we need to talk about narrative warfare. This isn't just opinions anymore. We live in a time where the old symmetric warfare, the old direct form of warfare of just army arrives at the gates of another place that they want to take over. There's a war. Uh, that's, that's kind of gone. It's now an intelligence warfare situation. Um, even the big geopolitical powers, the governments, etc., they're battling it out. It's a spy war. It's a psy war, a psychological war that they play on each other. Um, and they're also playing on the populations of the world. We're all in, we're all involved in the war. I don't know if you got the memo. We're, we're all, we're at war. The whole world is at war. This is world war three. This is what it is. You see it happening in your personal life. You see it where you, everybody's coming from totally different universes based on the information threads that they followed, which the AI algorithms and whatnot know how to calculate what motivates you, what you like, what you're into. And then they keep feeding you the same recommendations. And then everybody thinks they, they created their own opinions. And so we all individually, myself included, anybody listening, we have to be aware of this regardless of what side you're on, not to fall down that trap of only looking at one side all the time, even this side, even the side that's advocating for freedom, for truth, for exposure, for all these things. You got to open up too. Everybody does. And we have to be, develop this ability that I know is difficult. We should have been taught in school, uh, which is called critical thinking, where you're able, you have the capacity to absorb different perspectives that might even oppose each other and then entertain them only off of the evidence and the facts and the data that you're getting to actually embark on the scientific process, which is deconstructive. It's painstaking. It's frustrating. It takes a lot of time and energy and work. I know nothing's easy, especially if you want the truth in this world. 
but it's required. So you got to be able to like entertain a, a possibility, keep it on the back burner, contrast it with another perspective, and then suss out the facts and then try to find the truth and then keep it flexible so that as you keep going on your journey, you come across new information that totally blows away a totally different way of looking at something. You have to be open to that. But see, the powers that be don't want you to even be on that playing field at all. You've been disqualified. That's the biggest piece of propaganda. You, little you, has been disqualified from the discussion because you are not worthy of sitting at the table of the intellectual elites. So you don't have a say. These people that claim to be fighting for democracy and freedom and all that, they're the biggest enemies of it. They just know you like that. You like the sound of it. And you like to pretend that we're playing in that game when really they want to control every piece of information that you get. You guys all saw the recent very difficult to listen to show on Joe Rogan with Mark Zuckerberg. It was like listening to nails on chalkboard, just listening to the excuses and the, uh, that's just me though. Uh, where they're admitting, he's admitting that government intelligence and government agencies like the FBI were telling them to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story because it was supposedly Russian disinformation, except now it's proven to be true. And they basically admits, regardless of what, what again, which side you're on on that discussion, what information you've looked at, uh, he admits that they were censoring that story, which could have changed the outcome of the 2020 election, which if we keep looking at that and the other pieces of data that go along with it could actually be completely illegal <laughs> on so many levels. Um, and there's so many bits to this, guys. The whole thing's falling apart. The narrative that you were told, the mainstream narrative, the cultural narrative is falling apart at the seams on so many different subjects. And that's interesting to me because what was conspiracy theory and gross misinformation that must be censored a month ago is now officially admitted by even your loving fake news mainstream press. And I find that that's what I've been documenting on my social media. That's the work and so many others that do as well. Um, and that's important to do. What an incredible time to live. But let's not deviate too much. Um, there's a few things that kind of created this episode today. And I was still kind of shuffling at the last minute to get all the things. I was going to do slides. I didn't have time to do slides. So I'm just going to do some raw facts reading for you today. But um, I do have a few things to show you. i got a couple video clips. We'll go through some news and whatnot to bear this out. So many events are happening. I can barely keep up. I just kind of got off a little bit of a vacation where we uh, went away to a wedding in Ontario. My father was getting remarried. Uh, it was a beautiful thing. And we got, went away for a little bit. I'm, I'm allowed to travel in Canada. I still have to wear the stupid face plaster. But um, what was interesting on the flights when we were going back, so I'm, I'm in BC, we're going to Ontario, is... Uh, I think like out of the four stewards and stewardesses that take care of you on the plane, only one was the one going around checking. Oh, you fell asleep. Pull the mask over the nose. 
everybody else just didn't care. So every time they'd walk by, it was kind of because Canada is the only country still doing this. Although they want to bring it back. They want to bring it back and they want to bring it back everywhere. Um, and again, the mask debate, there's information on all these different sides. What's the truth? So anyways, got back from this vacation, still, you know, keeping tabs on stuff, staying active on my socials. And, uh, I'm at a point now where it's just overload. People are sending me stuff from every angle. There's so much stuff going on. Ah, it's just hard to keep up, but that's why I keep it on this show. We'll go through a few different things, try to keep it rather focused. And, uh, the whole theory, the whole theme here is just going to be narrative warfare because everything kind of chalks up to that in the end. And when you know how that works and you understand some really key pieces of information, it might help to clarify certain things, especially for people that are just kind of jumping into, uh, to this, this kind of information. So just really quick, I have this up. Uh, what's this uh, realcleardefense.com. They just wrote an article kind of breaking down how different kinds of warfare work, narrative warfare. Let's just go with a quick little synopsis. I thought it was pretty decent. And again, I'll link everything after for you guys. You can read the whole thing. But they're just saying warfare is taking place in multi-level threat environments ranging from heavily kinetic to subliminal fear-inducing strategies in which state actors and non-state actors compete to extend their influence. So this is what it is, like just briefly, state, non-state. So there's your, you know, you've got your, your government and you've got your multinational corporations that are all just trying to make money. Um, and some that are sponsored by some very interesting parties that I think have deeper agendas. And there's even just independent people that are all working to exploit situation that we're in to extend their influence and to use subliminal strategy to infiltrate your mind and persuade you. I think there was actually a book called the hidden persuaders, which kind of gets into the mechanisms behind a lot of the propaganda that comes out of the media that are literally trying to colonize your mind so that you start thinking the way they want the desired way for thinking to occur. They don't want free thought. They want centralized thinking. And by they, I mean, those people that are control freaks that want to control the narrative for their own benefit. <laughs> okay. Keep it simple. So anyways, continuing both, both of these forces, so you've got your state and non-state actors, localized events, you exploit localized events to fuel civil wars, provoke desired changes in broader geopolitical environments, leverage pre-existing hostilities to manufacture conflict when they can and foster ideological shifts in civilian populations. I thought that was a really good synopsis of it. State sponsorship of information operations, psychological operations, cyber attacks, and indirect sponsorship of terrorist attacks, for example, to maintain spatial displace displacement from lethal activity are outpacing us. A recent Department of Defense risk assessment suggests the hyperconnectivity and weaponization of warfare information are, in part, responsible for the post-primacy status of liberal de democratic systems. 
The commitment of liberal democratic societies to free speech and open information exchange has been turned against us by societies that don't value or practice the same ideals themselves. Societies, <laughs> secret societies, government actors, state, non-state. This is a war for control of the narrative. That is the Bitcoin of the time, really is. It's not about anything else because the dark black magicians at the top of this, the people who know how to manipulate the mass mind, we're going to get into a little bit of how that mass mind works. That is a valuable resource. You are a valuable resource. Well, some of you, some of you, they look at you as the undesirables that they need to wipe out. But the rest of us, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to stay lighthearted about a very dark subject. Um, the rest of us, the people they want to control. There's a very ancient science of how that is achieved. And there's a benefit. Everybody's like, what's the benefit? Why would they do this to us? Why would they lie? I can't believe they would lie. Why would Trudeau lie? <laughs> Why? Like, I don't get it. He doesn't even know what the truth. He's a script reader. I've spoken to people on security detachments. This guy, I don't even think he knows what day it is. He doesn't run Jack. He's a puppet just like all of them are, just like all of them are. And a lot of them don't even know it. That's how dumb they are. I'm sorry. But who, if they're a puppet, who's the puppeteer? What, what's the motive? Well, I'll let you speculate about that, okay? We just need to understand that that is the way it runs. Your government, when you understand that your government, no matter what country in the world you live in, is in a gross amount of debt to private families, private banking institutions, etc. Um, that should be the first indication, the first wake-up call that your government officials, if they're in debt to, guess who? If they're in debt to foreign interests or other interests, corporate interests, private interests, doesn't matter. Um, then do they really call the shots about where your tax money goes? Like, it would make sense that if your country is in debt, the people that are allegedly running your country that they keep parading out on the television aren't really the final decision makers. I think we're, hopefully we're understanding this. Like in Canada, under the, direction, under the direction of this liberal regime, our country is now in like over a trillion dollars, 1.5. It doesn't even matter. The numbers are so big, you can't even calculate it. Christia Freeland couldn't even say it when she was grilled by Polyev on the House floor there. It was so big. What the deficit is, what the debt is, it's monumental. And it's the same in all these Western countries. The inflation is kicking off. Look at the gas prices. Look at the price of food. Look what they're going to do to the agricultural sector with all this. You know, like you just start adding it all up. Uh, and, and the biggest piece that I'll constantly keep bringing up to prove that there were other agendas afoot behind what just went down in the last two and a half years is the largest transfer of wealth in human history that we just experienced. You've been robbed. You've been robbed. This isn't just incompetence. If you want to feel better 
that your government is just made up of a bunch of incompetent dingbats. And trust me, there's a lot of those and there is that factor, but it's not the end of the story, guys. They're just, we didn't get the memo. The average person in Canada where I live didn't get the memo. Your government is no longer what you think it is. Your government is now Google. I don't know if you've noticed. Your government is now faceless bureaucracies. It's the technocrats. Your government is who controls the wealth of nations. That's the real government. Doesn't that make sense? Is that conspiracy theory? Doesn't it make sense? He who makes the gold makes the rules. Give me control of a nation's currency and I care not who makes its laws, said Rothschild once upon a time. So they started by taking control of the buying power of your currency. They started by inflating your currency and building in a fiat debt-based system that would enslave your country for generations. We're still paying off World War II and other wars, okay? We're in debt. We're in debt for so many different things. The whole world is run on debt. If you canceled the debt, the entire economy would just cease to exist. It is a debt system. That's what it is. So, obviously, the most powerful corporations and institutions in the world, these private investor firms, your BlackRock, your Vanguards, all of these things, World Economic Forum, another little pawn on the chessboard somewhere in the hierarchy, definitely not at the top, just a piece of a puzzle, a gear in a, machine, in a bigger machine. It's a science about how to Trojan horse a nation, let alone multiple nations at once. Trojan horse, you know, the old Greek story, the Trojan horse. You, you get welcomed right through the front door. And then you infiltrate your key positions. You hijack the economy of the country. You enslave the taxpayer to this unending debt system. And then everybody that thinks they own things, you really don't. So Klaus Schwab's statement of you'll own nothing and be happy, it's kind of already there. That's how they view it because you're in debt to them and they've successfully over many decades now completely taken over the financial sector, your financial uh, independence as a nation. And they brought you into a globalized economy, which they control through their big banking institutions, the IMF, World Bank, Bank of International Settlements, the Federal Reserve System, et cetera. It's no surprise to me that what happened in 2020 with the lockdowns, which are now being shown scientifically to have been absolutely monumentally more disastrous than any flu virus, have caused devastation to our economy that will take our children's children to deal with. And that was, that's on top of all the other crap. They shut down small business. They shut down the entrepreneur. They shut down the free market completely any any the semblance of what we pretended was a free market and they hijacked and looted your country and funneled all of that money that would have gone to small families private business owners the little cafes the mom and pop shops the restaurants joe's fish and tackle whatever it was 
got completely decimated. Yes, some of them are reopened, but I just went to the local mall and half the stores are closed in the mall. And these were some of the bigger chains. Just like people are just not, it's Amazon. Amazon and Google run everything. People just order their shit. They don't go to the mall anymore. They don't go to the stop, the little stores. Some of them do, but it's, look at the small bookstores are closing down. There's not enough money and everybody's in debt. They got destroyed. And, and there's also so many businesses that got shut down due to government policy. Stop telling me it's because of the virus. It was government response to the virus that ended up shutting down those businesses. And we know that it was bullshit because the big guys didn't have to close. That's, that's it. That's the end of the debate. They just took the resources and the people and the customer base that were going to the small mom and pop shops and they just, oh, those are shut down because these guys aren't equipped to deal with COVID. And they funneled them to Costco, Walmart, Target. I don't know why Kmart popped in my head. Does Kmart still exist? Remember Kmart? Does anybody? No? Okay. Um, all the big box stores got to stay open. So when people ask you, why did they lie? <laughs> First of all, their business is lying. The, the media, that's the business they're in. They're not in the business of telling you facts and doing journalism. I, I don't know how many more journalists I have to, like rogue journalists that have left, that I have to interview on this show to, to tell you this. That's gone. It, this is all crafted information to benefit those big companies and these state and non-state actors. So narrative warfare in one sense aside from geopolitical aspirations of a tiny elite or a certain country or whatever, uh, there's just the basic incentive that the little guy gets crushed so that the big guy, the already billionaire class can be become the trillionaire class. And then because your government is in debt to these people at the banking level who really also are in league with the investors and the big corporations that come from that. It's a big pyramid. When you look at it, follow the money, you know, to prove what I'm saying. Um, they use that as a mechanism for gaining monopolistic control over your country and your country's resources. That's the goal. You're a resource, but you're also living on a landmass that has land, agricultural land, it has minerals, it has oil, it has all kinds of stuff. And they want that to be centrally controlled. They don't want Yellowstone Ranch to stay open. <laughs> they want Google Incorporated, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, like all the big guys. They just want that. And so... This is why we have to talk about narrative warfare in this context, because it's used for more reasons than one. Okay. That was a really big segue. Uh, let's continue. This article is saying even non-state actors with economic restraints and poor conventional military capacity have enacted narratives that in some cases have rendered our own narrative, a weapon in their arsenal, even non-state actors. So private corporations, for example, the conflation between the war on terror and the war on Islam perpetrated even further by the perception of a ban on Muslim immigrants may feed the Islamic state narrative that Islam itself is under attack, etc. So they're getting into some of the political stuff here. But I just wanted to show you 
I love how they said it. Warfare is taking place in multi-level threat environments, ranging from heavily kinetic, subliminal, fear-induced strategies in which state and non-state actors compete to extend their influence. It's as simple as that, okay? We're in that situation. The average person doesn't have any clue. They don't know. They weren't raised to learn how to um, vet information. And so they just go to the media. They go to the state or non-state actors, which is your media in Canada. The vast majority of our media, which we would look at as supposedly being private corporations that are all competing in the free market of journalism, <laughs> you find out that's not the case. Our media is subsidized by the government, which means it's not like the government has this big stash of cash in the back that they just built out of thin air. Well, they kind of do. It's the fiat system. That's tax money. That's your money that they take and they give to CBC News, CTV News, Global News. They pay them off. Other non-state actors, also private investors, these kinds of things, the sponsors, which is pharmaceutical companies and all these guys. And when you get to the investment level, you go on Yahoo Finance, you start looking at all these little companies who really runs and owns the lion's share of those investments. You're going to get into your BlackRock Vanguard investment firms and JP Morgan. And, all the, and those are all the guys that basically looted the economy blind during the Great Depression. And slowly over time, those families became more powerful. And then they created a lot of everything you see here and read. And now they just keep that control. So there you go. So narrative warfare, it's about controlling what, what is what is what is warfare in general about? Warfare in general, old school warfare was about acquiring land resources and slaves. What's different? Okay, we're not shooting flaming arrows at each other from over the ridge. It's online now. So that's the world we live in. Asymmetric intelligence warfare. And if you go to cultofthemedics.com, the website is right there, cultofthemedics.com, check out chapter eight. And if you don't feel like watching the whole thing, scratch, uh, go forward to the section in that chapter called the cult of intelligence. It's one of my favorite bits in the whole chapter. Worked really hard on it. And that will open your mind as to the level, the history, the collusion, the central control of these intelligence agencies, networks that are liaison with your government, with your media, with your pharma, with your educational systems and institutions, and with crafting social narratives that will work to benefit someone. And I, you can disagree with everything I just said, but the question you need to answer for yourself is, is that someone that's going to benefit from all this narrative warfare and propaganda? Is that someone going to be you or is it going to be other parties? Are you actually going to suffer and be in a deficit as a result of this if we don't turn it around? That's the question you need to answer. Now, Let's uh, quickly play a little video for you here. Where's my videos? Now, this video is from, I think it's from like CP24 in Toronto. Just like a small little, you know, another extension of the Umbrella Corporation. Um, and this is about nine months ago. So think nine months ago, you know, nine months ago feels like yesterday to me at this point. It's flying by so quickly. You know, just think about where the narrative is at when this video comes out. And the reason I chose this video is I was just scanning because I wanted to find a good example of essentially what your 
state and non-state actor controlled media is telling you. And it will also help you understand how the propaganda was pushed into the minds of your friends and family who are challenging you for questioning what's going on and questioning the narrative at all. These are, these are the types of arguments that were put into the public mind and the public mind for those that are tuning in for the first time, uh, you can get into the work. You just start looking up Edward Bernays. He wrote the book propaganda. That was his term. He called it the public mind and that that was what they needed to influence. And I've got a lot more notes on how that whole thing works. Uh, we're going to get into a little of Matea De Matthias Desmond's work, uh, Gustav Le Bon, just a few little points, just to keep bringing it up because it's very relevant to what's happening. And it's also relevant to the solution to this and how you win the narrative warfare, at least in your own mind. Okay. So uh, this is key. So just here it is. This is the way they talk down to you. This is authoritarian language. They only want you eating from their hand and you are to trust no one else except your loving, benevolent masters. Thousands of protesters across the country have made it clear they are against public health measures made by governments, such as masking and mandatory vaccines. From the virus being created in a lab to microchips and COVID vaccines, more and more Canadians are buying into conspiracy theories, which played a role in the level of trust Canadians had during the federal election. But just how many Canadians believe in conspiracy theories? Elections Canada was curious to know leading up to the federal election and put together a survey. The results show Canadians are falling victim to conspiracy theories, despite a strong majority of Canadians believing the voting system was safe and reliable. Misinformation and, and conspiracy theories have been around forever, you know, forever. But what we're seeing now is the, the, the fact that the, our information environment has just got incredibly complex. It's gotten very chaotic, and that has allowed misinformation to thrive. When it came to conspiracy beliefs, the results are alarming. Four in ten Canadians believe certain large events have been skewed by a small group who secretly manipulate world events, while 30% believe new drugs or technologies, such as the COVID vaccine, are being tested on people without their knowledge. Conspiracy theories, even hardcore conspiracy theories, have kind of been normalized over the past past couple of years. Social media has played a big role in that process. Troy Pavlik is a moderator for r slash Edmonton on Reddit, a subreddit with more than 140,000 members. He says on some days they take care of hundreds of posts with misinformation. COVID is just a flu. The flu kills way more people. All of these posts are very frequent, very common. Pavlik says removing misinformation from the internet is important and can be a matter of life or death. People get their news from social media and there is a very real possibility, especially with something as serious as COVID, that if we let a post stay up, someone might die. Even when the conspiracy theory seems absolutely absurd, it's still important to debunk it, to get out there I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm dying. Oh my God. The guy's sitting in his gaming chair in his mom's basement. Oh, well, we got to go and fact check all the conspiracy theorists on Reddit because someone could die if they believe it. 
How's that aging? How did that clip age nine months to now? Um, we still don't have an explanation on why in Alberta, the number one cause of death is mysterious. Mysterious death outdoes heart disease, cancer, diabetes, right? Um, it's, if we went back, when this all comes out, all right, and the truth comes out, and it will, it's going to come out, this is going to turn around, it already is, it's going to keep turning around. I personally will be holding their feet to the fire. And I invite anybody, if I turn out to be the one that's wrong and there was no other hidden agendas going on and it was everything they said it was, you can hold my feet to the fire if that gets proven. Deal? All right. Let's see what happens. Um, <laughs> there's so many things that she said in there. The conspiracy theories. This is their favorite term. This term, which was invented by the CIA, to stop all the questioning into what happened in JFK and other things. Um, this is a term that they favored. I've done other shows kind of taking it apart. It's so ridiculous. But they lump everything that is against the narrative that's coming from those state and non-state actors, the approved narrative from the authorities. Uh, anything that questions or challenges that is a conspiracy theory or a far right, there's the new one, far right. Now, every time I get one of these little trolls on Twitter uh, that comes in and goes, oh, you and your far right beliefs, and it's far right this, and it's far right that, or it's a Nazi this and that, I go, "Could okay, please, let's have a conversation. Could you please define for me what far right is? Please define it. They never do. I will, if one of them can define it, just that. I'm, I'm not, that's not. That's the opening remarks of my defense. That's only the opening remarks. Is just let's start with definitions, so we know what we're talking about. Please define it. Or if I say when they go conspiracy theory, I go well. Could you define conspiracy and then theory? Could you please define those two terms separately? Because you're using it a lot and you're throwing it at people that are literally watching in front of their eyes that their government is lying to them, gaslighting them. The media is just, look at the ratings. The ratings are, through, they're irrelevant, okay, at this point. And the guy said it. Everybody's getting their news from social media. Yes, yes. Why is that? Why is that? That's not our fault, the conspiracy theorists. That's your fault, the media. That's your fault. If you did your job the way you think you should have done, if you did the job that you think, if everything is totally straight and narrow that's coming from the government and these propaganda outlets if it's all the straight and narrow the narrative is all it's there's no warfare there's no lies manipulation and propaganda happening it's all just straight up facts it's the science if it is that you guys created the conspiracy movement directly by the way that you communicated your information, by the way that you are constantly tripping over your shoelaces, contradicting yourselves and having to pick up the pieces. And anybody that has a memory that extends past 30 seconds 
can go and look back at what you've said before, compare it to what you're saying now, spot the contradiction, point it out, and you don't address it. You actually mute the comments. You cry, oh, disinformation to Google censors, and you shut those people down. With the COVID thing, which is what they were centering that around because of all the protests that were going on and the truckers and all that. Well, this is all leading me up to what happened with Freeland. Okay, we'll get there. Um, if, if everything the government did, everything this liberal government in Canada did, and I'll just use Canada's example, copy and paste this onto whatever country your puppet running your regime over there. But in Canada, if everything the government did was totally scientific, perfectly legal, perfectly justified, perfectly moral, perfectly ethical, perfectly run, then you can't blame the citizens for watching you, what you did, media, what you said, how you reported it, the fact that you blocked comments, the fact that you censored people, you fired journalists that came out and said, no, no, they're lying. <laughs> you, you did it to yourselves. You created me. You created people like me who are going to go, no. Here's the, here's, here's the fact. Why aren't you reporting the other side of the story? So, and I'm kind of just shouting at the wall because we all know this is all sponsored propaganda, but I'm just talking to those people that still have trouble understanding this. It's the actions themselves that you have to watch, not the words. That's as simple as I can break it down. A lot of people, and they know this, they build this into the algorithms and everything for what pops up in your, they know that most people, most people only read headlines. They don't even read the little info bracket below the headline, let alone the rest of the article. And how many articles have we pulled up on this show in the past showing that the headline and the actual body of the article are two completely different things? People don't even know that, right? When you have official Government agencies in the U.S., the CDC, who originally, remember when they used to say 6% or 7% or something, and then everybody on Twitter changed their name to 6% Dave or whatever, because out of a joke, because they said 6% of the people that they originally told us were getting COVID actually died only of COVID. 6%, remember that? It was 6 or 7%, I can't remember, very small. And that was official data. And then what, what did the media do? Just, oh, nothing happening here. We'll just keep waiting for the jabs. You know, and, and then now look, they're coming out and they're saying there's no difference between vaxxed and unvaxxed. That's an admission that everything they've been telling us, everything the government officials, Fauci, all of them have been saying about get the jab. It's the only way. And in fact, get it or else. I'm going to talk about this in a second. It was wrong. And then the argument when things change is just, well, the science is fluid. Yes, science is fluid. It's the only thing that is. It's, it changes when new evidence comes out. I get it. But here's the problem. I could sit here and list all the names of all of the rogue 
biostaticians and doctors and experts and epidemiologists and the Barrington Declaration and all these guys that came out from the beginning, the California doctors, America's frontline doctors. We could go on and on and on about doctors from your own system, establishment system that came out and said exactly what's happening right now was going to happen. And what did you do? You censored these people. We have Mark Zuckerberg admitting that the FBI told them to censor information. So they did, which means there's a relationship between these state and non-state actors to craft the narrative and manipulate it. And then in the byproduct of that is manipulating your mind and the mind of your relatives and your friends and your family and your entire countries. So that decisions get made by the government and everybody goes, oh, yes, yes. You can take our lands. You can take our freedoms. You can censor real scientists that are trying to warn us. And they get proven right again and again and again. And here we're still talking about this shit. It's amazing to watch. And I just, I just sit back as somebody that just documents this and looks at it and, and talks to you guys about it because when we realize that this isn't just incompetence, this is warfare. This is deliberate. This is historically relevant. I had, there's still the trolls and bots that are probably working in those little bot farms that all have a script that they write. I go and f find these people on Twitter. They have zero followers, zero. Fo How do you have zero followers? And you've been on Twitter for two years or are you, I don't understand that. And then you're the one coming on now, all these little comments. You think I don't know what you are? Either you're one of the useful idiots that Stalin talked about, or you're working for these troll farms that go out and target people that question government narratives. I put out a tweet recently that got some attention. I broke through the, uh, the black, what do they call it? I broke through the shadow banning for 10 seconds with one tweet. And, uh, I got, I've gotten some interest. I've gotten to a few little scuffles about it. This is great. Because, you know, when you're only getting like five views on your tweets, even though you've got like way more people following your accounts, and then suddenly you tweet something and it goes around, you get all of a sudden all the, you get the other side, which is what I'm wanting. I want them to come in. I want to have a conversation with these people. I want to duke it out. I want to find out what's really going on in their heads. I also want to know if what I'm saying has any merit. But where is this tweet? Hold on. I'm going to find it for you. I guess I better refresh my Twitter. I'm bringing this up because the narrative warfare is flowing into the social. It, well, it is social media. That's what social media is. That's why it was created to help craft social narratives. Right. And, uh, we had this incident. Let me explain a little context. We had this incident in Canada. I'm sure you've heard about it. If you watch Viva Fry and all those other guys, um, about how we had our, Former, no, not former, <laughs> current, sadly, our deputy prime minister and finance minister of Canada, Christia Freeland, was out having a stroll in Alberta, her hometown. And she was suddenly accosted. She was suddenly assaulted. She was suddenly violently approached. <laughs> I'm trying to find all the names that they've used 
in the twi- in their response to this by a very pissed off Albertan bearded man who gave her a good chewing. We used to call that's a good chewing. You get chewed out. I've been chewed out worse for showing up late on job sites when I used to work framing. I've been chewed out worse by my kid for not downloading the right Minecraft mod. I've been chewed out worse by my cat for going away for two weeks and coming back home and he didn't know where I was. So he just kept. And yet this guy walks up and this is you the way that all of the big puppets responded to this. And this is, I'm using this as an example of what I'm talking about. We know it's all fake. It's all, this is all bullshit. But the way they come out, and this is the impression that's given to the public that's just sort of witnessing this happen in Canada. You get conservatives, liberals, Jagneet Singh, all these guys coming out with the same scripted response of, I stand with Christia Freeland against this egregious assault of violent rage of Nazi far-right conspiracy theorist, extremist terrorist ideology. It's all the same. You would think the impression given, and then the media, you know that CTV news right now, every couple hours, they're just retweeting the same article of Justin Trudeau and his, he finally made a statement about it and condemnation and how hate against, what did they say? This is a beauty. Hate in Canada is reaching a fever pitch specifically targeting female politicians, women politicians. That's what they're saying. And I just sit back and I go, well, what is a woman then? (laughs) Like you can't have it both ways. And this is where you see the contradictions, but let's have some fun with this. You can't have it both ways. Okay. Cause this same liberal establishment, which they stole the word liberal, they've hijacked it. We know it's, these are, <laughs> these are probably, these people are nothing of what they pretend to be. Okay. Clearly. And they're very, very inconsistent. And this is when I see inconsistency in the way they operate, I know they're liars or they're just that dumb. Um, <laughs> they're like, they treated this as, as if a man walked up and punched Christia Freeland in the face for no reason. Like it was actually a, they're trying to equate it with some kind of violent thing. The threats and the violence can no longer be tolerated in a peaceful democracy like China. Come on. You guys, this is this is just political gold. This is narrative gold for them, whether they staged it so that they could do this or whether they just took advantage of it. It's an example of what I'm talking about. And there's a gazillion examples. They're doing the same thing. They're gaslighting you guys in the States. They're gaslighting you in Australia. They're gaslighting you everywhere. They find a little event. Oh, look, the truckers. Oh, they were violent terrorist Nazi extremists hell-bent on storming the castle and firing a bunch of missiles at parliament. Like, that's how they equate it. And you're like, no, it was bouncy castles and pancake breakfasts and some horn honking, and they were helping the homeless, and they were... They were just there because all the other democratic, peaceful, polite Canadian ways of trying to argue with the government and have your grievances heard, it didn't work. We tried all those things that just didn't didn't work. Our lives were being destroyed and affected. We didn't want to continue with it. So we went, all right, we're going to park some trucks on your lawn and honk some horns until you come out and talk to us. And they still didn't do it. And so now, oh, it's like January 6th, a bunch of terrorists 
anti-government sentiment. You just see those scripted words. Those are narrative warfare terms. They practice this shit. They hire teams of psychologists. They know how to craft the headline of the article perfectly because they know you're not going to read the rest. They know you're not going to think outside the box. And they just keep putting it out and they play on your emotions and they create a boogeyman. Just read George Orwell's 1984. He put the script in the book through a, a, a fictional story to try to tell you how this shit goes every single time. I just got back. When we were staying in Ontario, I stayed with some of my amazing friends. I love these people. I consider them family. I even had the sh them on the show in early 2020. They came here from Romania. They are Romanian. Okay. They bought like 11 acres. They're completely self-sufficient. They make every single ingredient that sits on the table from the salad dressing to the ketchup to the, like they slaughter their own chickens. Like they're amazing people. Okay. And they were the ones that told me, well, you guys, they're, they're using the word conspiracy theorist and far-right extremist, domestic terror, all that stuff. They used to just use the word traitor in Romania, the communist regime there. That's how they did it. And they create the boogeyman, which is the small group of people that we're going to get to that Matthias Desmond is talking about, which are the critical thinkers that naturally are the ones that will get up and defend their freedom and challenge the government when they're getting out of hand. And they just put those people in a box, small fringe minority, and they just create a boogeyman out of them so that the rest of the people that are either just kind of in the middle, don't really care about politics. Um, and then also the other 20% of the, of the cult that just worships the government and worships the state and non-state actors. Uh, they just weaponize all of that against a small group. And then eventually it gets to the point. So it doesn't start this way, but eventually it gets to the point where a justification is made. If they can hold the narrative with the 70 to 80% of the population, if they can keep the other that narrative intact, that there's a there's a bunch of un there, what what did Trudeau call us? There's those people that are tearing apart our democracy. They're the enemy of our country. They're this. They're a traitor. That's how we, they're a traitor to the cause, right? They're evil people. They they make them the demon of the country, and then eventually it ends up that the public demands that the government get rid of these people. And there's your concentration camps and there's your gulags. It's not just the government doing it. It's the people actually being, their minds become weaponized. They create herd group think mentality. They craft the narrative that enters the public mind. Those are the bad guys, your fellow countrymen that are trying to defend your ass from being controlled by us, the government, and looted blind and starved to death with our policies. They're the bad guys. It's projection. It's deflection. It's what every sociopath bully does. They come up and punch you in the face and then tell you, stop, don't. And then you get up to fight back and they're like, look at this violent extremist. How dare you? Christia Freeland was literally sitting there cackling like a witch, laughing in your face on live television while she announced that we are now going to implement a policy in Canada to freeze people's bank accounts for baking cookies to support the truckers and knitting sweaters that say freedom. How dare you? We're going to shut down your income. Single mothers, we don't give a shit. Laughing in your face. 
implementing economic policies that are destroying lives, creating mandates that supersede, magically supersede the highest law of the land, which is the Charter of Rights in the Constitution. Putting aside all the free man stuff, that's another conversation, just surface level here. Section 52 of the Canadian Constitution Act states, there is no law higher than the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Any law or mandate or edict, provincial or federal, that contradicts the Charter of Rights has no force or effect in Canada. Read it for yourself. That's what it says. The government violates that. They say, challenge us. You show up in peaceful demonstration. Waving flags and hugging people. God forbid. Honking some horns. God forbid. We're going to freeze your bank account. We're going to garnish your wage. You're, we're going to have your employer fire you. And yet you get these little nincompoops coming out from the woodwork. And this is where the narrative is going to go as all the death tolls keep rising and all the real effects from this shit come out more and more on the mainstream. And they're going to say, we never forced you to do anything. You were never forced. We would never do that. That's a conspiracy theory. We didn't force you. Nobody put a gun to your head and told you, get the jab or I'm going to shoot you in the head. Well, because they didn't put a gun to our head yet, what did they do? They're going to cut off your resources? They're going to cut off your ability to feed your family? They're going to put you on the street? They're going to garnish your wage? They're going to fire you from your position? Even prestigious professors and doctors and nurses in the thousands? Are they not scientists? Why aren't we listening to them? Why aren't we having a moratorium? Why aren't we having a debate? Where's the debate octagon? How come they didn't show up to the debate when we were offering a perfectly peaceful, appropriate discussion to have with other scientists so that we could get this sorted? They don't want that. They want control. And Christia Freeland was at the top of it. She's way more powerful than Justin Trudeau in this country. And that's a fact. Justin Trudeau is just a, they wheel him out for the cameras. Get him some cool socks. That'll be his thing. The guy, he doesn't run anything. It's the staff. It's the people behind it. And we know who his string pullers are. He's admitted it. Klaus Schwab has admitted it. That's not a conspiracy theory. He's said it. We penetrated the Canadian cabinet. <laughs> the vast majority of the Canadian government are all our people. There's your non-state actors. There's your fascism. Private corporations and government power merging together against the people. And she sits there and laughs and then brings in economic policies that are absolutely decimating our economy. And it's the same with your Sleepy Joe in the United States and all his people. He's not running shit. That guy doesn't even know what his poop cycle is right now. And they know that. They're probably going to swap him out, bring in Kamala or Michelle or somebody, Big Mike. I don't know. Something's going to happen. They need to switch that up. It's just the optics are horrible. Um, and it's getting to be the same here. But just to bring this in, Freeland is walking around and someone just says, hey, fuck you, bitch. Get out of here. You're a tyrant. Like, that's the end of it. And they're like, you, you would have thought that a missile struck the country. That was the kind of reaction that we had. And let me rant a little bit and vent a little bit. I, I did this on uh, my social media. 
I started showing the pictures of, you know, like this here, like this. Where was the outcry? Where was the outcry? This happened at the trucker arrest. Drag these guys out who are sitting there drinking their Tim Hortons. They want to talk to the government about unjust, illegal mandate policies that are affecting their lives. And this is how they're treated by the Gestapo. Actual physical violence imposed on peaceful citizens by the state. Actual violence. I didn't hear Doug Ford get off his fat arse to come out and condemn this. I didn't hear Jagmeet Singh pull himself out of his bathtub. He does these weird videos on TikTok. I don't know what the hell this guy's problem is. And come out and condemn this violent action against his own political opponents, which, which should be the liberals, but we know they're all just, you know, all on the same team. And just want to say something, commentary on this clip. I'm sorry it has to keep replaying. I know it's very traumatic. But do you know, even in the UFC, in mixed martial art competition with trained combatants, it's illegal. Where these guys, for a living, they cave each other's heads in with elbows and shit. That it's illegal to knee a ground opponent. A grounded opponent, you can't knee them. But apparently, even that rule that is uh, imposed on professional fighters who beat each other bloody for a living, even that isn't applied here. So just want to keep that going. There's your violence. What about this? Where was all the condemnation when Sheila Gunn-Reed from the Rebel News was actually punched in the face by this? Who is this guy? <laughs> this, is that, this is that inner child aggression that comes out. Look at this guy. Boom, punches her right in the face. Where was the condemnation of a female being bullied by one of these beta males? And they want to talk about a guy that just walks up to Freeland gives her a good chewing out, deservedly, no violence, walks away, she's even smiling. And you, again, you would have thought that like China attacked us with a nuclear bomb or something, the way the media is reacting. Oh, look at this. Sorry, we're just going through my Twitter. This is their explanation for you guys. This is their narrative warfare. They've got a cover, they got a duck and cover for their masters, Big Pharma, the cult of the medics. Oh, we know why everybody's having heart attacks now. It's poor sleep. Poor sleep could lead to higher likelihood of heart disease and stroke. Hot tea, climate change, fluffing pillows, anything but the truth. Um, I don't know where that tweet went. Let me, uh, actually, if I go to my notifications, I'll bet you somebody. It's been, it's been getting a lot of actions. Oh, oh, here, here. This was a response. And by the way, on Twitter, my whole existence is I just, I am only there to basically challenge and troll these official accounts. Okay. It's just, it's part of my therapy program. Um, so this was me replying to CTV news on another, what was the article? Oh, they're saying, uh, this is where they're saying children ages five to 11 will soon be able to get a COVID-19 booster shot. You want to give this to your kids after everything we know, after the admissions of the CDC. So I just say, okay. You want to give this to kids? Here's your questions. And this is how you fight back against narrative warfare is you stand up for yourself and you don't give these guys the last word and you speak the truth. Challenge them at every place when they allow the comment threads to be open, that is. 
Will the parents be given informed consent regarding the record numbers of injuries and deaths due to these vaccines? Will doctors be reading the direct statements and data from the pharmaceutical companies themselves that actually made these shots? I don't believe the vast majority of doctors are even reading past the abstract of some of these studies. And they're definitely either, <laughs> either they're getting paid off, they're willfully ignorant, or they're just doing it for whatever reason. I don't know. But they are not reading the data that's coming from Moderna, Pfizer, and all these big pharmaceutical companies, which if you go through it, I'm trying to get Karen Kingston and some of these other insiders on to break it down. They are admitting it themselves that it's, I mean, you're on five jabs in Queensland, on, on Vic, uh, Queensland, Australia, five jabs to be considered fully vaxxed, five. It's going to be six, seven, eight, nine. It's going to be endless. It's going to be equilibrium soon where you just have to inject yourself every day at noon for what? And they're covering it up. And even with the cover up, you go to VAERS, you go to Eurovigilance, you go and see the data. I don't have to break it down. You guys know. And then I'm like, will the parents be shown the recent CDC admission that there is no difference with the unvaccinated? Meaning your kid doesn't need it. Your kid has a, like, a higher likelihood of dying of influenza than they do of this thing. Any of the variants, any of it, monkeypox, murder hornets, doesn't matter. So I just want to point, those are a couple of little arguments you guys can use if you need it. Where was I? Where was I? Um, battling some of these trolls. Where's the post? I want to show the post. Uh, yeah, there's a war happening in the comments. That's why. Um, and then there's all these guys, all these people with no fate, no uh, actual profile pictures. Here, let's see how it's doing. Oh, look, eleven seventy. See, that's that's a record for my little account that I had to rebuild after they destroyed my last one. And I just said it simply. I love how everyone melts down and pretends that Freeland got physically assaulted by words. And then turn around and literally say they hope unvaccinated people die horrible deaths. The messages that I've gotten from the tolerant left would make Freeland's scolding look tame in comparison. I'm just pointing it out. And I'm happy that this just means that we struck a chord. And a lot of people agree. Unacceptable fringe farmer. I should probably follow that one. Um, so, yeah, just want to bring that up, that this is how they roll. And I also was showing the picture of that poor elderly Métis woman that was trampled by Trudeau's cavalry in Ottawa. And that's physical violence against a helpless woman who was peacefully demonstrating against the government, her very existence, being a member of the First Nations, being an elderly woman, being at this protest, contradicted the entire narrative at the time. So, of course, they didn't want to plaster that all over the place and go, hey, uh, First Nations woman comes out against Trudeau. Huh, awkward. Because we were supposed to just be all white supremacist Nazis, so that we can't have that narrative going around. But she gets trampled by a horse. And then I was here live streaming that day in Ottawa. I, I live streamed for like eight hours, and we saw what happened. Demonstrators trying to talk to the police, trying to shake their hands, trying to tell them how much they respect them, how much they support them, how much they just want to have their voices heard. And then they just start beating the crap out of people. Physical violence, state state run.
Then they declare the Emergencies Act, which I'm glad to see there's a hearing coming up real soon about that. And I hope that there's some hot water for some of these people because it was completely wrong to do that. It was an abuse of power. And yet everybody just freaks out over some harsh words, some deserved harsh words to one of these government employees who supposedly are supposed to be working for the people. So to me, when I see this guy walking up and saying, hey, get the fuck out of here. You don't deserve to be here. Screw you. You know, like when I see that, that's a pissed off employer chewing out an employee because the government is supposed to be working for you, but they're not. And they know it and their smugness and their arrogance and their hubris, as much as it pisses you off, just keep documenting it. Keep the cameras rolling. It's going to be the downfall of these liars and criminals. Trust me on that. They're, as I was saying before about how the media created the resistance to their propaganda, us conspiracy theorists, they created us by their own actions. We're going to be their downfall and the actions of these people themselves as they continue to be themselves openly and unapologetically is going to bring them down. They will be their own ruin and it couldn't be more poetic in the end. Now, what was another thing I wanted to show you? Oh yeah, let's let the WEF chime in on this narrative warfare thing real quick. So when you go to weforum.org slash agenda, <laughs> there's no agendas, Dave. Um, they're talking about how to combat disinformation. And they're talking about using AI to help them in this fight. And they're already using it, but it's just interesting. And they talk about semantic analysis for basic filtering of disinformation or sem semantic analytics. So, you know, everybody's got these Alexas and series and all that and all your posts on social media and it's all being collected and they got AI running the system and they're pulling all that data in and it's sorting and analyzing it and creating profiles. This is how they are getting the intelligence for their war against you. And now they're going to employ the AI systems in this fight. And they're saying the very first idea that comes to mind to combat disinformation with technology. And by the way, who gets to decide what disinformation is? Who gets to determine what reality is? In fact, I would argue that is the point of narrative warfare is to craft the idea in the minds of the public what reality is and what it isn't. And they become the arbiters of that information. They become the authority on that. And they say, anything you say that contradicts us isn't reality. So they determine themselves what disinformation is. It's like, you know, a murderer determining how his trial should go in court. Like, it's unbelievable. The World Economic Forum is not a government. It's a private think tank built by your club of Rome, all right? And they are advising governments and recruiting them. And uh, as Klaus Schwab himself said, creating programs to find these guys out of these universities through the road system and then put them into positions of power or wine and dine them and recruit them into what they want, which is their own private corporate agenda. That's going to be separate from any of the idea that you have of what your government is and how your country functions. And they want to 
build in AI and all the transhumanist things, the in the ID, digital ID, digital currencies, central control, and they're just an arm of the greater world government program that they're trying to create. So AI-based tools, they say, can perform linguistic analysis of textual content and detect clues, including word patterns, syntax construction, and readability to differentiate computer-generated content from human-produced text. Such algorithms can take a piece of text and check a word for vectors, blah, blah, blah. So they're just kind of talking about how, oh, we can use, it's very innocent. We're just going to use this AI system to filter the difference between basically bots and artificially created personalities and fake accounts that uh, is probably much larger on these social media platforms than anybody wants to admit. Um, and they're just going to filter that from humans. Okay. But that's not enough. Generative adversarial networks are becoming so sophisticated that algorithms will soon produce content that is indistinguishable from that produced by humans. And they're part of this as well. So they go through how we're going to do it, route tracing, next level police. They're talking about, yeah, how information works and how we can fight it and how any kind of disinformation and misinformation has to be combated. And we have to employ these artificial reality or these AI systems to help us get rid of the conspiracy theorists. That's the bottom line. That's how I read it. Um, this one here, four ways disinformation is spread online. If you just go into their digital communications tab and just start reading, it's written in this very flowery PR language, but um, you'll start to see that these people are looking to, I, I, Klaus Schwab was just talking about, and the World Economic Forum were talking about how they're basically creating another digital army to combat misinformation of real people that are going to be employed. The government is doing the same in Canada. This is how they're combating disinformation here. They're employing an army of counter disinformation, the counter disinformation brigade, the, the ministry of truth that will come to bat and fight for the narrative and dispel any independent thought, essentially. They don't want you to have independent thought and anything that's disease is it's really bad because now we got the hate speech thing that they've crafted where any kind of derogatory statement that goes against these narratives is hateful. It's a hateful thing. They, they, again, the emotional language and that's hate speech. So we got to rein in on hate speech because words are violence. This is another justification for the entire thing. That's why this whole Freeland thing is either a staged op or it was taken advantage of um, because now they can have more ammunition. And this is what you're hearing from people that they have more ammunition to craft the narrative that, oh, we're just trying to stop mean people from violently assaulting public officials with words because words are violence. And this has been one of the modicums of the radical left and this whole agenda for a long time. And they're just another puppet for this globalist thing, in my opinion. And they need to basically eliminate opposition. They have to eliminate the competition. And this is how they do it. And what I wanted to really say here was that this is not new. They might have new tech, like all these AI algorithms and all that. But it's the same modus operandi that every totalitarian regime in history has used. 
Okay. And with that, let's hear a little bit from, let's do the equity word. Okay. Equity. I've done some videos on this before. I'm just going to summarize it really quick. I was watching a stream, a live stream from the world health organization. And they were talking, they, they were using the word equity and equitable when it came to the vaccines. Cause they were saying, oh, only the rich wealthy countries get our experimental jab that nobody wants. So we have to find a way to make it equitable and get it to all the third world countries. Um, and so that was their, their term with the vaccine was we need it to be equitable. You're going to hear it everywhere. Equitable vaccine. Trudeau says it, Macron says it, Jacinda says it, they all say it. And then now I saw something, I'm trying to remember the name. I wish I had the clip in front of me here, but I'm kind of just going off the cuff, but they were saying it was world health organization. They were talking about how all of our resources need to be brought into play to build an equitable economic system, health system, everything. Like it was like, maybe it wasn't world, maybe it was WEF. And they were talking about that equitable term. And if you go to the WEF website or the World Health Organization website and you type that in, or the UN website, that's another good one, and you type in equitable or equity, um, you're going to start to see that they use this everywhere. And it's not a new term. The fact that they're using it actually tells you who they are. And so I had some notes here from a previous show that I did. I'm just going to run through it really quick. It's got a few quotes also from Gustav Le Bon, who was a social psychologist, early 1900s, wrote a book called The Crowd, A Study of the Popular Mind. He's one of the guys that you can read to understand that these guys understand there's a groupthink dynamic. They know how to induce it and they know how to control it and craft the narrative and then win the day. So this is the idea of equity is that collectivists achieve their ideal by burning cities and books and then implementing central planning. Now that everyone is equal, what ends up happening is that everybody becomes equally poor, equally housed, equally limited in what they can say, do, and think. And that's the real definition of equity. They're going to use it as, we're just trying to make everything equal. But in equalizing, you're eliminating any kind of uniqueness or diversity, even though they'll say it's all for diversity. It's a lie because equitable and diversity don't go together. Equity is leveling the playing field and eliminating the people that actually go and produce and work and create wealth. And, you know, you now have an equalized society where you have to basically have everybody operating off the lowest common denominator. So here's a little quote to kind of add more to this from Gustav Le Bon. He says, in point of fact, all the world's masters, all the founders of religions or empires, the apostles of all beliefs, eminent statesmen, and in a more modest sphere, the mere chiefs of small groups of men have always been unconscious psychologists, he says, possessed of an instinctive and often very sure knowledge of the character of crowds. He's talking about the masses. And it is their accurate knowledge of this character that has enabled them to so easily establish their mastery. It's a very well-written statement, in my opinion. He sums it all up, but he's basically saying, to boil it down, 
all the founders of public institutions, these people, cults, political parties, doesn't matter, brands, they are psychologists. They understand that there's a dynamic of groupthink that they can lull you into so that your thinking becomes more simple, becomes more simplified and more emotionally driven. And therefore you're more vulnerable for them to implant their idea into your mind. Whereas the individual who can think critically, analyze information, decide, hmm, I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna look into some more things before I buy that in, buy the whole story. They are a threat to that because they are gonna think outside the box because they're capable of thinking outside the box. Actually, that term thinking outside the box is very well used when it comes to talking about the crowd psychology, the group think. The box is the group think and thinking outside of it means you're thinking as an individual, thinking outside of the group, which is just basically run by the narrative hidden persuader controllers. So he continues, it is only by obtaining some sort of insight into the psychology of crowds that it can be understood how slight is the action upon them of laws and institutions, how powerless they are to hold any opinions other than those which are imposed upon them, and that it is not with rules based on theories of pure equity that they are to be led, but by seeking what produces an impression on them and what seduces them. So the idea is that they want to seek an what makes an impression on the public. What seduces you? What breads and circuses and games and distractions work to sway you from positions ideologically or intellectually that you would have outside of the group? How do they pull you into the group, craft the narrative for the group, and then control the direction of the country and use this knowledge? to maintain mastery over you and your nation and your wealth and your resources. Who wouldn't want to know this? This knowledge exists. Do you really believe that it's not employed by your governments or by these non-state actors? Because if you believe that this knowledge of how crowd psychology works and that it can be used to craft a narrative and control that crowd, and get them to do things like a hip, mass hypno, hypnotist session where they would do things they wouldn't normally do under the power of suggestion. If you believe that's a conspiracy theory, you are under the spell of that very narrative warfare program because that knowledge not only exists, my argument is it is being employed and used right now in a way that even Gustav Le Bon couldn't have imagined or Edward Bernays. This one is uh, another little quote that comes from Ayn Rand's book, Philosophy, Who Needs It? She's talking about the new theory of justice. And this is really important because she, she knew how this, you know, collectivist mindset worked coming out of the Soviet Union. And she nailed it on this point. And she said, the new theory of justice, this is, so you got your social justice warriors and all that. Again, nothing new. This is an old strategy. The new theory of justice of John Rawls, this is who she pegs as being one of the originators in America, or was one of the guys at the time who was sort of talking about this new theory of justice. 
The new theory of justice demands that men counteract the injustice of nature by instituting the most obscenely unthinkable injustice among men. Think about this. The war, look at all this stuff, the transgender thing, the gender fluid thing, the all the different ways that we're seeing the evidence of this narrative warfare, this programming. It's all the same. It's a, it's a war against reality. It's not a war against hate. It's not a war against climate change. It's not a war against COVID. It's not a war against anything that they're telling you on the surface that it is. Deep down, it's a war against reality. So they want this new theory of justice, which at that time was new, but now is basically policy in the West, demands that men counteract the injustice of nature by instituting the most obscenely unthinkable injustice among men, which was to deprive those favored by nature, i.e. the talented, the intelligent, the creative, of the right to the rewards they produce, i.e. the right to life, and to grant to the incompetent, the stupid, the slothful, a right to the effortless enjoyment of its rewards that they could not produce, could not imagine, and would not know what to do with. Seems like harsh words, guys, but it's the way it works. And this is what it is. And that's the sales pitch. See, because the guys at the top, they don't really subscribe to these ideas that craft that. They're just, they just know how to make people dance like puppets. And they know what motivates and they know how to recruit an army of the discontents in society of the um, the people who look at the people we're fighting with. I'm sorry. And that doesn't, I don't think it's just some curse of nature. I mean, although all of elements of nature are unequal. I mean, some people are taller, shorter, faster, stronger, levels of IQ, intelligence, all these things. I believe there's a purpose for everybody and there's, there's a role for everybody and that, um, Nobody need feel ashamed of any, I have many weaknesses. I'm dumb as a bag of hammers on some things and better at other things. Like we all have our thing, right? But what these guys are trying to create is they're trying to edit natural order and superimpose an artificial construct on top of that, that takes the, it's basically imagine just based on height. Okay. Just the differences in height. Some people are better at basketball because they're taller, right? Um, just on height. They're, they're, they don't want tall people to exist. They want to chop the legs. They want to do reassignment surgery on the guy's shin bones and take them out and make the guy shorter so that everybody's the same height. And if they determine that the height of all humans, just using this metaphor, is going to be four foot three, then we can't have any Michael Jordans running around because that's inequality and the people that aren't Michael Jordan and can't slam dunk from like halfway down the basketball court, they're going to feel like there's a, it's not equitable enough. So instead of helping that person who isn't Michael Jordan, find their calling in life and promoting that and get them to become an actualized individual, we're going to level the playing field across the board. It's the best metaphor that jumped into my mind at the moment that can explain what they're trying to do to you economically, to everything. And the, and the real reason, aside from the socio-political discussion about this, 
in my opinion, because I'm a conspiracy theorist, um, the real reason they use the equity argument is because that is more beneficial to this elite class, this dark elite class, that if they want to resurrect feudalism and serfdom with this new technocratic AI and all that, which is what they're trying to do, um, in my opinion, that they need to make sure that there's not too many pieces moving on the board. They need to eliminate resistance, eliminate any, they don't want strong men to rise up and resist them. They don't want William Wallace to show up at their door with a massive army at his back. They don't want people to go on a massive tax strike or protest or anything. They don't want anybody talking back to them like that gentleman did to our deputy minister. They don't want any resistance. So to them, they don't actually believe in this Marxist crap. They are using it as a way to recruit support for the real agenda, which is to create a one, one chain for everybody. You just got to pull the chain once and everybody heals situation. They want complete control. They want you in a hive mind. They want you in group think because then you're not thinking independently. And the equity argument is the best one they can find because then they can recruit all the people that feel they've been cheated in life. Especially because people do get cheated, but especially the people that feel cheated, even though they haven't lift a finger to do the work necessary to have any success on any level in their lives. That's their target audience, these globalists. That's who they want to recruit. And that's who makes up all of your little opposing groups that all hate. They've been raised to hate through that religion of envy. That's what they've built. The envy of those who do get up and work in the morning. Those farmers that get up at 5 a.m. or earlier. Those truckers that are on the road 18 hours a day making sure all your Amazon purchases come to your door without any effort from you. The people that really work, the people that create wealth, the producers in society, loot them blind to the point where we actually, this is why they all starved in the Soviet Union. They killed all the producers. They killed all the farmers. They did it with Pol Pot as well. And then there's nobody to work. They're left with these idiots that are lazy and they they there are... They're basically given a green light. Oh, yeah, just keep being lazy. We got this. You're going to own nothing and be happy. We'll deliver everything to the door that you need. We'll take care of you and your little pod. When we run out of food, we'll just feed you guys insects, and you're going to love it. Don't worry. It's all going to be – we'll put some seasoning on it. Don't worry. You know, it's all to save the planet. It's all to make things equal. Don't worry. Did you take your jab every the last five minutes? Okay, make sure you're up to date. Did you update your iPhone? Yeah, make sure that's up to date too with our latest tracking technology. That's how I see it. This is a bigger thing. These people don't believe in this. They are using it as a weapon as part of this narrative warfare to recruit the discontents. And then what did they do in the Soviet Union and every other totalitarian regime when they were done with their useful idiots? They take them out too. So all the people serving Sauron right now, all the orcs, you are disposable. Just 
Just remember that. You're disposable to these people that you worship. What did Jim Jones do to his most beloved followers, his, his biggest admirers, his biggest fans? They all drank the Kool-Aid together. What did Walter Applewhite do to his biggest followers and his biggest fans? They all took the poison. That's why I use the cult comparison because it's it's actually something I picked up when I was just looking at the differences between political groups, cults, religions, mass psychology. Oh my God, I'm seeing the same ingredients in all of it. And that's where you boil down to human psychology. And that's why you got to get into some of these guys that that knew how to diagnose it and, and open it up. And that's why, even though I do have a few disagreements with some of Matthias Desmond's comments and work on certain things, it's absolutely brilliant on another level. When he's giving you the name of his book is The Psychology of Totalitarianism. That's a brilliant title, and it's important to read it. And if you just go, I've got it on Kindle right now, and I put the term propaganda in there. And he's just, this is coming out of the introduction, okay? So just a few choice words from him so we can understand how this works. He's saying dictatorships are based on a primitive psychological mechanism, namely on the creation of a climate of fear amongst the population. <laughs> I love that he used the climate uh, word because I've often thought um, that climate, and I got this from Michael Tessarian who mentioned to me one time and it blew my mind and I went, oh, right. And he said, all the climate change stuff has nothing to do with the physical climate of planet Earth. It's the climate of your psyche that they're talking about. They're just, they're making the literal, they're, they're, they're playing a game here because they're speaking to a very primitive part of your brain that is survival-based and it makes sense. And I can't even blame anybody who are victims to this propaganda. It's very, very sophisticated. But the climate that they really are worried about the, the climate that's melting down is the climate of your individuated mind that can think critically to be absorbed into the group mind. It has nothing to do with saving the planet. So he's the climate of fear. So they're creating a climate of fear. What did they do with the pandemic? What have they done in, with all these different events? A climate of fear. What are they creating in the mind of the normies in Canada? What's Justin Trudeau's regime creating in their mind? A climate of fear over the dissidents, the people that are challenging government and challenging what's going on and fighting back and fighting for their rights. So they become the enemy. The government creates a climate of fear. Look, here, they're the baddies. They live next door to you. Make sure you snitch on them, report them. It's those people. They're spreading the disease. And then they use that as a way of keeping everybody under control. So he says, based on the brutal potential of the dictatorial regime, this fear is created. Totalitarianism, on the other hand, has its roots in the insidious psychological process of mass formation, which is what he's calling it. Only a thorough analysis of this process enables us to understand the shocking behaviors of totalized populations, including an exaggerated willingness of individuals to sacrifice their own personal interests out of solidarity with the collective, i.e. the masses, a profound intolerance of dissident voices, and a pronounced susceptibility to pseudoscientific indoctrination and propaganda. So literally, 
what these totalitarians do and the best propagandists do is they are experts. And even the bullies you probably grew up with and the sociopaths in your life, they're very good at something called projection where, and there's even manuals written about how to do this. You do, you have something that you want from somebody and you're going to extort them or manipulate them or lie to them or even harm them. And when you do that, you know, that person is going to come back and go, Hey, why are you lying to me? Why did you rob me? Why did you, why are you manipulating me? Why aren't you allowing me to think for myself? And then they know the best way to shut that person down and keep them under control is guilt. Guilt is one of the most powerful mechanisms. Look what they're using with all the stuff, climate, COVID doesn't matter. Oh, you aren't towing the line to save us from the virus. You aren't towing the line to save us from global climate meltdown, blah, blah, blah. You aren't sending billions of dollars to Zelensky. So therefore you are against us. You are dangerous, right? When really it starts with just people asking questions like this kind of doesn't make sense. Are you really sending all the money? Is that where it's going? Or how come New York isn't underwater yet? How come none of their predictions came true? It doesn't make sense that they're still pushing that and that a tax is the only way and more control is the only way to stop it. Uh, it's a 99% survivability of virus. I don't know if it's really worth destroying our entire society and, and shutting everything down. And, and, and having all of humanity engage in a massive scientific experiment that we don't even know we're going to come out of. Like, I just, it's not adding up. That's the dissident. That's the enemy. It's just literally the people that are questioning it. And they need to conflate a questioner, a doubter, a dissident with somebody who is violent and dangerous. That's why they have people in America after January 6th of just dads who were there waving a flag, didn't even walk on the steps of the Capitol building, didn't do anything. And they're facing up to 80 years in jail because of the narrative that that was an actual insurrection, an armed insurrection of incredible violence, just like they did with the truckers, just like they're doing with everything. They blow it out of proportion and they flip it on you. That was the point. They flip it back on you. You are the guilty one. You punched me in the nose, actually. You're like, no, you literally just punched me in the nose. No, it was you. Look, I've got pictures of it. You were the one that did this to me. They flip it on you. It's very sadistic. It's very deep. And it, they're very good at this. I've, I've known these people and the guys at the top of our political hierarchies here, they're at a next level of this. So he says, mass formation, in essence, is a kind of group hypnosis that destroys individuals' ethical self-awareness and robs them of their ability to think freely and critically. This process is insidious in nature, and populations fall prey to it unsuspectingly. So that's why a lot of these people that are sort of brainwashed and they're still walking outside alone and wearing two masks is that they are unsuspecting of any reason whatsoever to doubt these propagandists. That was the success of the propaganda, was to engender false trust in known liars and criminals. 
So they can't even see it. You go to tell them, you go, maybe you shouldn't listen to this Klaus Schwab guy. Maybe Trudeau isn't all, maybe Dr. Teresa Tam, you know, she's putting out a lot of fake science and misrepresenting what the actual studies said. And here's other experts to show you that. What? It couldn't be. It couldn't be. The naivety, right? He goes, to put it in the words of Yoel Noah Harari, who was, you know, WEF guru, most people wouldn't even notice the shift towards a totalitarian regime. We associate totalitarianism mainly with labor, concentration, and extermination camps, but those are merely the final bewildering stage of a long process. I'm glad I got to this one because there's that narrative going around that um, when you start talking about Nuremberg Code, you probably held this, had this happen. You're, on, you're talking to your friends about Nuremberg Code, and they hear Nuremberg, and they immediately think of schindler's list and then they go oh you think you're in nazi germany and they're just, what, you're conflating you're, you're demeaning the people that suffered in concentration camps in these totalitarian regimes and you're pretending you're the victim because some people say you should get a vaccine that's the way they argue and you go no 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 you're, you're missing it and this is my argument if you want a good one most people are historically illiterate number one and number two there's the events of history such as concentration camps, gulags, torture, democide, which is death by government. Um, and then there's the preceding events of history. So there's the events of history that we know about, we read about, we watch them in the movies, but there was the events that led up slowly but surely to those events, the stages that preceded those events. That's what we're conflating this with because that is what is happening. That is a fact that this playbook that is being played on all of us was used before. And all you got to do is go find some sweet old Russian lady or some people from Romania or Poland or Czechoslovakia or where else? Venezuela, Cuba, North Korea, China. Need I go on? Go talk to them, and they will tell you chapter and verse how this works. It's a slow boil-the-frog process of slowly eroding your property rights, your individual freedom, your free-thinking capacity, your access to varieties of sources of information, and they're slowly corralling you the way those two sheepdogs, they don't just run in and start barking at all the sheep. There's like a process where they slowly bring them all into the pen. And by the time we get to burning people in ovens or mass genocide and shooting people into a pit or starving people to death, by the time we get there, it's too late. So what you want to do is you want to spot this process at the beginning and notice the signs and stop it before it gets to the part where they're loading us into train cars or showing up with an armed battalion to seize your home and put you into social housing and ghettos, we want to stop it before it gets there. So when you see the government violating the Nuremberg Code, of which I recommend every human being just go read those 10 planks, read them, memorize them, read your constitutions, look at some history, and realize that they're violating that and that that is one of those preceding steps that begin 
along with this kind of propaganda, this kind of creating others and groups and separates and the anti-vaxxers versus the, and this, you know, uh, the conspiracy theorists versus what do, what do they call themselves? The, the mainstream, they create the us versus them. That's another sign. They start overwriting laws that protect your freedom and your property rights. That's another sign. They start going after the farmers in the agricultural sector. That's another fine, uh, another sign, right? Uh, the censoring of free speech. That's another sign. The censoring of intellectuals and scientists and experts and police officers and border agents and journalists and whistleblowers and silencing them from the general public so they can't hear the other side, crafting a narrative that's only meant for everybody else and there is no truth to it whatsoever. Those are signs of the stages of totalitarianism, the stages of genocide. It doesn't just happen overnight. It takes years. So just use that argument when your friends and family are like, how are you conflating this with concentration camps? We're not there yet. That's, I'm looking down the road and I'm comparing what happened and how they did these things in the past and how it got there to where we're at. So very simply, there's the events of history and there's the preceding events of history. Tell me about the preceding events of history. What led to Pol Pot's regime? What led up to that? What led up to the death of 100 million people in the 20th century? What led up to it? And then, um, yeah, it's such a great book to give you the manual and, and to give you the history of how this works and then that, that dynamic of mass consciousness and mass formation and how, why people, why even smart, intelligent people jump into it. That's an art form. I don't know. I haven't finished this book by Matthias Desmond. I've listened to a lot of his talks. Um, he, just like many intellectuals, he seems to be shy of, of talking about any kind of grander conspiracy, uh, which is fine. You got to sort of take people for what they offer, right? Um, but he does talk about how they use the term conspiracy theorist to demean anybody that is challenging the, the government narrative. So points there. But what's so valuable about this work is, first of all, he cites people like Gustav Le Bon. So he's paying homage to the people that formulated these ideas. And he's informing you about how group think works, which, so I don't know if he gets to the point of saying they know how to induce mass formation. Like it's almost like a lot of these intellectuals, they look at it as this natural flow of history. It goes up and down, which is fine. It's, it's part of it. But what I'm saying here is that when you understand narrative warfare, this isn't just some governments taking advantage of a situation. That was an opportunity that Christia Freeland talked about. So COVID gave us an opportunity politically. <laughs> That's a quote. Um, I, I, I'll, go to the, I'll go to the level of saying the manual is known about how to induce mass formation. When you understand that, you start to find out who's employing this narrative warfare, why, what's their agenda, what's really going on, and that's going to lead you up to the top of the pyramid. That's going to lead you to where this really goes. But it's actually fine that you give a book like this to some of your friends because it's not too threatening to them. They don't have to get into some of the deep level uh, criminality and organized crime networks that have penetrated your governments and all of that. You don't have to get into that. You just say, hey, do you see the, here's the definition of mass formation psychosis. Do you see this happening in the world or not?
So it's valuable for that. He says, Lebon noted, oh, what happened? Ah, damn it. Where was it? Yeah. As Lebon noted in 1895, the effect of mass formation is identical to hypnosis. Both hypnosis and mass formation are largely caused by a voice in the literal sense through the physical vibrating qualities of the voice. Totalitarian leaders are well aware of this, sometimes intuitively, sometimes consciously. Totalitarian systems have always been maintained primarily by systematic indoctrination and propaganda injected into the population on a daily basis via the mass media. And without the mass media, it is not possible to generate such long-lasting mass formation as that which gave rise to Stalinism and Nazism. So even they relied on media to do what they did. And if they had the tools of what our masters today have, what, where would that have gone? Like, how much more successful would they have been? And when you find out that the ideological descendants of these people are sitting in your media, in these World Economic Forum and all that kind of stuff, and in these positions of power, then you're going to find out, yeah, the Nazis and the communists, call it what you want, the totalitarians, the control freaks, they now have a weapon of mass destruction at their disposal that Stalin and Hitler and Idi Amin could have only dreamed about. And that is this weaponized media, social media, track and trace narrative warfare that has evolved over time. So he says, this way, the population is literally kept on the vibrational frequency of the voice of totalitarian leaders. You notice even the way that Trudeau speaks? Like, when you listen to them, I know everybody throws up when they hear these people talk now, which is a sign that you know that what you're hearing is pure lies and propaganda. But think of it sometimes as a study, right? When I have to sit through some commentary from some media journalist or some political figure or puppet, um, I, I look at it, I get my pen and paper out and I take notes. Voice inflection. The way they move their, their body language. I watch their eyes because I want to know when are they coming to the camera organically and when are they reading the script? I want to know. And I've gotten pretty good at seeing which is which. You can tell. learning how these people were trained. I mean, wasn't Trudeau a drama teacher? Didn't Hitler go to England to study acting and drama? Didn't he get a few pages out of Tavistock Institute? They know how to use the voice, use the words, and the, the tone is really important. If you ever catch Trudeau talking off the cuff, it's a different voice inflection than when he's addressing the camera. There's a, there's a way that they employ it, just like a stage hypnotist. There's a certain um, voice inflection, vibrational tone, frequency that they use because they're trying to communicate to your child mind. You have a child mind. Once upon you were a child. Now you're an adult. Do you think the child mind just went away? It's still there, intact. And... You, we hear these things as voices in our own heads, these thoughts that we have, voices in our heads. Well, what if they know how to, this is an old science, they know how to become the voice in your head, and that's as easy as it is to control you. Now you're not led by your inner guide, your inner voice, your, your intuitive voice, the real deep down you. 
you're led by them. And there's a large part of the population that prefers that superimposed voice to their own inner voice because they don't trust their own inner voice. And these controllers know that. And they do a lot of things to make sure that that is the case so that you're more open to hypnotic suggestion. So he says, on the one hand, the population is systematically exposed to the voice of the totalitarian leaders. On the other hand, every alternative voice is systematically eliminated. That action alone is the proof of what I'm talking about. The very, the censorship fact, the fact about censorship, the fact that the World Economic Forum and all these people, Trudeau, they're all figuring out ways to combat misinformation. That's what that is. That's the, the talismanic term they use, misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy theory, fake news. They invented the word fake news. I love how we threw it back at them. Kudos. Um, but that's the way that they're trying to uninstall your own intuitive voice and install their voice. That's what that is. And when they speak it through these media articles and even their speeches, they're speaking to the mass public mind, which is already a dumbed down five-year-old IQ level mind that people voluntarily put their mind into and sacrifice their own psychological autonomy to do that because it's safer in the crowd, right? It's safer in the herd. It's safer to just do what everybody else is doing. And speaking of this real quick, I had a quick little article here. Maybe not the greatest one ever. I mean, it's written by this guy, Brian Lilly. And he, sometimes he does a few good things. I don't know. I'll leave you to it. But he's talking just kind of, this is Toronto Sun, kind of mainstream, but still criticizing the liberal government here for the censorship plan that they have. Because Trudeau has, Trudeau and, and what's his name? Gabalt or whatever, that guy from Quebec. He, he, I think he's the environmental guy. But he's, they're, they're crafting an online, they basically want to build a Chinese-style censorship system in Canada, okay? And all of those WEF plants in your government are going to be crafting the same thing. So heads up. <laughs> um, and I, the reason I brought this, he's just talking about how, you know, the Trudeau government got a lot of flack. Look how many ads these guys use. So they're, they're, uh, basically faced with widespread criticism about this stuff. Did they have the little clip here? Oh, I feel like the clips changed. They had a little clip before of uh, Antonio Gutierrez of the UN who was talking about the infodemic. It's not there anymore. Anyways, I'm just trying to bring some of these examples in. You guys already know. And if not, just go look into it. Canadian government creating online censorship system. We've also seen job postings, just a little side note, job postings on the official Canadian government website uh, for basically those who are going to be the enforcers of the new climate policy. That's another heads up. And um, look at what Biden administration just brought into America with the, how many IRS agents, 87,000 new IRS agents, armed IRS agents, because you know, they know people are going to start freaking out about how many taxes they got to pay. 
So you're seeing them recruit their little green shirt, brown shirt, black shirt, Gestapos physically and also online. All of this is to achieve what he's talking about here. Mass mind control. Eliminate opposition, not just little you and me, but even the intellectuals that will resist them, even the people within their own administrations that are coming out and resisting them. They need to censor them. And they have way more tools at their disposal in our age now than they ever did in past totalitarian eras. To a certain extent, he says, this is also what classical dictators do, but they limit the monopoly on the voice to, pub to the public sphere. They silence the political opposition. Totalitarian systems operate in a more thorough way. They censor alternative voices in the private sphere as well. On the one hand, this happens spontaneously due to a paranoid informant mentality that accompanies mass formation, which in fact is a result of a typical intolerance to alternative opinions, which we'll discuss later, he says. On the other hand, totalitarianism also, also expurgates the private sphere of alternative voices by introducing or inducing far-reaching social fragmentation and isolation. Social fragmentation and isolation, that is massively a part of this. Totalitarian systems typically make it nearly impossible for people to gather in larger groups. Stay home. No more than four people. Shelter in place. And they strive to, to sever all social and family ties and replace them with the only allowable bond left, the one between the individual and the totalitarian system. In the Soviet Union, this process was implemented in much more systematic way than in Nazi Germany. This is why the process of totalitarianization, that's quite the word, in the Soviet Union persisted in a, far, a more far-reaching way. And then quickly he says, to return to the similarity between hypnosis and mass formation, in both cases, a suggestive statement or suggestive story conveyed by a voice focuses attention on a very limited aspect of reality. Is that not what the media does or not, guys? How many stories could be told? How many different opinions could be said to the public if we had a true free press? But no, you get harmonization of the voice that speaks to your subliminal mind. And it focuses your attention on one little tiny fragment, which is often just completely fake. And that eliminates your ability to see the rest of the real world happening around you and all the other things that could intersect with what you're seeing. So do you see now why people are so dazed and confused and why you have, it's almost impossible to speak any sense to these people that are falling for these narratives. They're up against a very sophisticated program that's bigger than even I can imagine. And it's run like hypnosis. So, wow, we're already at the two hour mark. I don't want to go too much longer here. Um, did I have anything else? I think that was pretty much it. I just want to quickly check. Yeah. They're very good at this. So I'm also trying to, when we look at this guys, I'm hoping my, my goal here was to also ease your, 
angst about all this flack and all these attacks you're getting online and in person and the way the media is gaslighting you and these politicians are, it's infuriating, isn't it? Up is down, down is up, left is right, man is a woman, woman is a man. What's really going on? Reality is confused. We're confused. But that's because we're in an actual warfare scenario. We also have to have a level of empathy for the people that are brainwashed by this propaganda because they were attacked by a weapon of mass destruction. And it might be their doom if they keep listening to that voice. Looking at the numbers, it's not looking good. But at least now you know. And when you hear these propagandists, don't let your mind go into just terror and rage. Study it. We're at, we're at a much more advanced level now. Just sit back and go, okay, I wanna, I'm not gonna watch this clip of Anthony Fauci or whatever talking. Um, to torture myself. I want to study it. I want to know more about how they do it so that I can spot it. And the great thing about how this hypnosis process really works is that the moment you know it's hypnosis, the moment you see the, the fraud for what it is, you're free of it. You can't be hypnotized. If your mind is reclaimed by you, and you empower yourself with the courage and the fortitude that it's going to take to navigate through this artificially constructed reality that they're trying to impose on your mind, then you can be immune from the propaganda. And that's the goal. It's not for me to come here and give you different propaganda to indoctrinate you into a different cult of ideas. It's to hopefully give you the tools that have been given to me through my inquiry here and through the generosity and graciousness of many of my teachers that were patient enough with me to teach me this, that I'm trying to give you the tools so that you can reclaim your mind and form your own opinion, even if it differs from mine. I actually hope it does. I hope like I, my goal in my life was to craft my own unique perspective of the world and to be different. So I kind of hope that I don't want a bunch of people just agreeing with me on everything and, and speaking this and doing the same. I want to be myself. I want to think for myself and I've got my influences. Definitely. We all do. And we should, um, but to get out of this propaganda, it takes a lot of courage because and that's, I think, why people went along with it in the first place. The number one form of coercion they used was groupthink. Before they started implementing laws and, and chasing you down with the Gestapo, um, the first form of, the first attack, the first violation of your freedom was done by, by building this perspective that You just need to go along with the program because everybody else is. And if everybody else is doing it, it must be the truth. It must be correct. It must be right. And if it's coming from the most powerful institutions and people in the world, it must be benevolent. And so don't think for yourself or you're going to kill people. You're going to be a danger if you think for yourself. You're a danger. You're a threat to 
all the people you love and care about. That is manipulation, guilt-based, trauma-based mind control like you can't believe. And once you spot it, don't let it beat you down. Don't let all this stuff that you see coming out and all the people against you get you down. Let it strengthen you. Let it make you better. You are not in the minority. You are not in the small fringe minority. Maybe once upon a time, the champions of freedom and truth and real science were in the small fringe minority, but it's not that way anymore. And you know what? I've said it many times. I'll do it again. Even if it was, even if you were, even if you were in like, you were one person against the entire world. But you knew in your mind, in your heart, in your soul that you were on the right track and you know you were doing the right thing. It wouldn't matter what the rest of the world did. You owe it to yourself. If you know who you are and you understand what you really are, you don't need to fear anyone. You don't need to walk around in fear. You don't need to be worried about what other people think of you. You're on your own journey. They're on their journey. All that needs to happen is that freedom is respected. If you give them the freedom to go and believe and trust known liars and criminals, then you better demand and stand up for your right to also have the freedom to go along the path that you feel is best for you. And it takes courage to make that stand. And it's going to take courage for you to stand up and defend your country against this encroaching global totalitarianism to fight against the whims of the mob, which are easily controlled through hypnotism and which are slowly waking up. Um, it's going to take courage to fight for your resources and your farmlands coming up. It's going to take courage to become more independent and more resourceful and to uh, do what it's going to take to get through this time. But the rewards of doing it are going to be great. You are going to be the champions of the future. You are going to be the ones telling your kids the story of the fact that you survived one of the most tumultuous, crazy times in human history, and you came out, and you came out better, and you came out stronger. And the spirit of freedom inside of you is stronger than it's ever been. You see things more clearly than you've ever been, than you ever have. And that is the freedom that you've earned. You've just earned freedom by going through this time. You've just, and, and staying focused, you've earned your freedom. I just want you to know. And nobody can take that away unless you give it. So reclaim your own mind, spot the wires of the circus act of the stage magician Learn how mass hypnosis happens and the ingredients they use to put it together and you're immune from it. And it's going to be you that inherits this next world that's coming because you'll be the last one standing and I'm going to stand there with you. So thanks everybody. That's all I got. I'm going to let you go. Um, I hope this went through okay on Rumble. Please come and check out uh, all the work that I do over at dwtruthwarrior.com. Please go check out my free ongoing documentary series, which is an analysis and a, an investigation into the occult roots of the medical industrial complex. You can find that at cultofthemedics.com. There's eight chapters there available for free. I'm going to be starting up chapter nine in the fall. Um, and what else? Oh, go and support, go check out Unslave. We just 
released some amazing content over there. It's a premium podcast, unslave.com. The link is in the description. There's a small fee, but that's what allows us to do what we do. It allows me to do this work full time and it's more than worth it. You're going to get a library and a treasure trove of different perspectives, alternative research, history, psychology, philosophy, and conspiracy all rolled into one in a way like you've never heard before. So check that out at unslave.com. And, um, I'm going to work. I haven't had any guests lately. I haven't been aggressively pursuing. I've tried to put a few feelers out. Haven't heard back. I know everybody's busy. I'll try to get some good guests coming on the show soon, but if not, I'll be back here with more, uh, information on, on what's really going on in my opinion. And if you want all the sources to everything we've been talking about, go hit me up over on my telegram and I wish you all the best. And don't forget that truth is going to win in the end. It's indestructible. It's the immovable object that is going to be the end of these tyrants. So stay tuned for that. Have a good one, everybody. Much love. We'll talk next time. Cheers.